Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Jared Hanning, author of The Thinking Patterns of Success. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with Jared Hanning. Jared is an award-winning speaker, has been featured on ABC Nightline, spoken on stages all across the country, has clients all across the world, delivered four TEDx talks related to mindset performance, and has been chosen by TED Global as the featured speaker of the week. He specializes in a Nobel-nominated process that teaches you how to think at a higher level and allows you to access different parts of your brain on demand. As a result of his training, most of his clients go on to double their income by purposely working half as many hours. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation to have with Jared. But first, really quickly, if you are a coach or a consultant or an entrepreneur and you want to know how a podcast could benefit your business, then head over to podcastprofitcourse.com. There is a free live training that we do um, a couple of times a week um, all about how to make money from podcasting for your business. That's podcastprofitcourse.com. Head over there and uh, we will see you over there really soon. Jared, what's up, bro? Thanks so much for taking hey. the time to join me. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a good time. 
So I want to get started here by building a little bit of context. That's how we always start these conversations. And talk to me about early life. Let's rewind the clock, talk 10, 11-year-old Jared, you know, family life, where'd you grow up, all that good stuff. I spent most of my youth in Lubbock, Texas. Was born in Idaho, but I think we moved there when I was seven. And uh, growing up, I kind of gravitated towards music. I fell into orchestra and strings, uh, became a viola player of all things. And uh, that ended up being my college and my profession for 20 years. I was a principal violist with the South Carolina Philharmonic. And growing up, I don't know, just kind of weird stuff. Like I, I would fix my own car and I'd take my friends rappelling. I'd go skydiving on the weekends. My dad had a plane, so I, I got to fly some. That was kind of fun. Nice. I guess we all have our own childhood craziness. That was mine. <laughs> yeah. So was that something that you wanted to do or was that something that your parents initially got you into and you kept doing it? Okay. Music. I started piano when I was nine and I didn't realize how much I hated the piano until I found the viola at 11. Music's one of those things where like the instrument chooses you just as much as you choose it. And so once I found the viola, I quit the piano. And at that point, it became like a mental illness. It was something that I couldn't not do. Mm. Uh, nobody was making me practice. I wanted to practice because I, I loved it. Yeah. Do you know why? I don't. Um, yeah. I know that earlier in life when I would be at somebody else's house and they would have some uh, Bach or some Baroque music playing on their stereo, it just it just felt like I, my head just came alive and I just wow. felt so transported into another world and I loved it. And I, and I can't tell you why. I wasn't interested in sports. I didn't enjoy playing sports. I didn't enjoy watching sports. Um, I just, I didn't speak that language and, and I can't tell you why. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Now that's changed now that I've got a son and he plays sports. So I'm all about sports now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I just find it so curious, man, when like when people, especially at that young of an age, develop this propensity and this passion really for a field that, you know, most people don't get into until, you know, later on. I just, it just fascinates me, like, wh like why you spent the majority of your time practicing the, you know, viola instead of doing the other things that all the other kids were doing or whatever. And so uh, I was just curious if, if you had any, had any idea of why that was. But now moving forward a little bit in the story, what did that translate into in like high school and, you know, college aspirations, career aspirations that, you know, did people, you know, sit down with you and be like, Jared, I know you love playing the viola, but probably should, you know, become an engineer or something like that. <laughs> uh, no, uh, very thankful. I didn't have anybody um, telling me you can't do that. You can't make a living doing that. Don't do that. Stay away from it. Uh, very thankful. Um, in, in a way, it was kind of the opposite. I actually applied to go to college as a mechanical engineer. Um, oh, I loved building. I loved construction. I loved fixing yeah. stuff and taking stuff apart. And I just, I just love that. Do you find that those two often go together or do, is that kind of more like an anomaly? I, I think it's an anomaly. I have encountered other people that have a mechanical mind in the symphony, but it's it's like one out of 60 or something that's yeah i was gonna say that has to be a pretty small percentage of people to have like both the like creative you know aisle of what music brings to the table and then also the analytical you know numbers math side that engineering brings to the table so yeah that's find that pretty fascinating there did, did you did that lead to any sort of opportunities for you that may not have existed for other people in either of those spaces i don't know if this counts as an opportunity but uh, musicians aren't known for 
making a lot of money. <laughs> and so for me, when I was in my early 20s, if I wanted some extra money, I would just go work construction on the weekends. And I could make like three times as much swinging a hammer as I could as a musician because my brain knew how to do that. I just, I just naturally thought that way. So like needing income or needing, I, I was never beholden to the man. I've, I've always felt free to kind of carve my own path because of that. I didn't go to school for mechanical engineering though. Um, yeah, I went to school for music performance. For music, yeah, yeah, right, right. So post-college, what, what happens? Like, how do, you, how do you start getting out into the field that you've been spending the last decade of your life? Really? Ah, well, it wasn't a smooth road. Point, you know? Man, I, I finished my undergraduate and um, I quit music. I walked away from it. I was, oh, no very, I was frustrated, disillusioned. Um, I had uh, a series of what I would consider to be bad conductors. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, if this mm -hmm. is music, forget it, I'm out. And so I worked construction. I was remodeling houses for about four years. And at the end of re remodeling houses, I was like, you know what? No, this is not fulfilling. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. And, and I enjoy being able to build things and fix things, but it's not yeah. fulfilling. So at that point, I went back and got my master's degree in um, music performance, which took me to where I'm at now, Columbia, South Carolina. And um, I love, absolutely love the weather here in South Carolina. And the scenery, I think it's wonderful. And the, the symphony here was, was wonderful. It was a wonderful symphony. And so I just stayed and that's what I did for the next 20 years. Yeah, okay. So now let's talk transition into what you're doing now. So give us a quick rundown, a quick idea of the things that you have going on, the book that you wrote and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll talk more specifics. So some people don't know this about music, but when you're engaged in making music, whether you're clapping your hands to the radio or singing in the shower, whatever it is, in that moment, you are using more different parts of your brain than any other time of your life. Sharp contrast with athletic performance, where the better your body is performing athletically, the less of your brain you're using. This is because you can't afford for glucose to be going to the brain, that glucose needs to be going to the muscles. This does not mean that music is better for your brain than sports. It doesn't mean that at all. It's just a different process that happens in the brain. So during that time, after I had finished my master's and I'm playing full-time, I was traveling, speaking, uh, coaching, doing workshops, and teaching people, the business owners, how to access different parts of their brain on demand. Because the only reason you keep hitting the same obstacles that you do is because your brain keeps coming up with the same solutions. <laughs> and you can't think of something that doesn't make sense. So that led to the work I do now where that's all I do, which I have been for the past 10 years. And uh, we've got a Nobel nominated process that actually teaches you how to think at a higher level. And this is why my clients normally double their revenue by working half as many hours, just because their brain is solving problems slightly differently. Yeah. So let's talk about that then for, for a second here and uh, give us high level tactics strategy without giving away too much because I want people to still go buy your book. What? What, uh, like, you know, what are the overarching things that, that we might be able to pull out and tweak by just talking about it for a couple of minutes? So uh, there are thinking patterns and there's blind spots in our thinking. And uh, a blind spot is a way of thinking that makes sense. And because it makes sense, you can't see why it's actually keeping you from the goal that you're seeking because yeah, like it makes why, sense. So why it's not working essentially, like you, you can't see... Like it makes logical sense, but it's not working and you don't know how to bridge the gap. Worse than that, you're usually not aware that it's not working because ah. the strategy makes so much sense. Uh, for example, there's a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking that suggests that action produces results. And that makes a lot of sense. And so what happens is the brain 
believing that action produces results, the brain looks for more action to take. If I need more, more results in my life, I need to take more action. I need to work harder. I need to work faster. I need to hustle and grind. And this makes a lot of sense. I mean, not action doesn't produce results. It makes sense. But the problem is the people that pride themselves and the type A achievers, the go-getters, the grinders, they're also the same people that have more on their to-do list than they have time to get done. And working harder and faster doesn't actually clear it up. Day after day, always more on their to-do list than they have time to get done. It's not moving the ball forward. Hmm. But they can't see that because it's a way of thinking that makes so much sense. So when you get to the end of the year and you made just the same amount that you did last year, your brain goes, ah, all I need to do next year is just try harder. Well, after a couple of years of that, you kind of got to admit, maybe trying harder isn't what you need or it would have worked by now. So what we do is we map out your thinking patterns. And now it's where you're able to see any blind spots that are tripping you up or any breakthroughs that you just haven't noticed yet. Um, And the illustration I give there is when you are in a corn maze, you get to the end of the row and you're not sure if you should go left or right. And maybe the strategy is, ah, but if I will run, then I can get to the end of the next row faster and I can make more decisions quicker and I'll get out of here sooner. Or uh, we can just stand you on a ladder and instantly, oh my gosh, why didn't I see that before? Now it all makes sense. Now it's obvious that if we stand you on the ladder, you can see the whole picture. That's obvious. So obviously, if we map out your thinking patterns, you'll be able to see where your next breakthrough is in business in a way that you can't access any other way. That's obvious. Here's what's not obvious. The difference between I'm not sure if I should go left or right and oh my gosh, is only about two feet. Hmm. So when you've been hitting that obstacle, don't have enough time, don't have enough money, don't have the right support, whatever it is, the difference between that pattern repeating itself and a whole new way of living is really only about two feet. Yeah, and how long in your experience, if you are proactive in trying to close that two feet gap, how long have you seen it take people to like rewire the way they're thinking about something and find a new solution to a problem they've been working on for a long time? So they see the solution right away. It it takes about 15 minutes to take the mind scan. That's what maps out the thinking patterns. And then we pull it up on the screen and we go through some of the patterns and connect the dots and you just go like, yeah, my gosh, that happens to me all the time. How'd you know that? Yeah, I've been experiencing that too. Oh my gosh, I never thought to do that. Okay, now I get what I can do different. Like you see it right away, real quick. The next step is just stay in the course and Mm. continuing to solve problems through this new way of thinking. Yeah, that yeah. you realized is going to make a bigger difference in your situation. Uh, it takes most people about three months to permanently rewire their brain. So they get out of that hustle way of thinking, they get out of that entrepreneur way of thinking, yeah, and they yeah. move into that CEO or investor or business owner way of thinking. It takes about three months to get the neurons all reconnected. So there's a new network upstairs. After that, you're on the beaten path and you're not going to get pulled back into the weeds. What would you describe as the, the hustle way of thinking versus the CEO way of thinking? How would you describe both of those? So the hustle way of thinking is there's more on my to-do list than I have time to get done. Therefore, I need to work harder and faster. Yeah, may as and well because stay up and work sense, 16 hours today instead yeah, of- I just yeah, work yeah. longer. And because it makes sense that action produces results. I mean, come on, how are you supposed to argue with that? Because it makes so much sense, their brain goes- 
you know what? This is all organized in my head. There's no sense in writing it down. I could just be getting it done. By the time I write it down, I could have done it anyways. Hmm. There's no sense training somebody because by the time I train them, I could have done it anyways. And nine times out of 10, they're going to screw it up. So I have to go back and redo it. It's just better for me to just do it to start with because it makes sense that action produces results. And this is the hustle, solopreneur, entrepreneur way of thinking. The CEO way of thinking looks at that mess, says, oh my gosh, there's more here than I have time to get done. Because there's more here than I have time to get done, I need to spend more time planning, more time creating processes, more time testing, pen testing systems. Now this drives a solopreneur hustle grinder nuts. And then they say, because there's more here than I have time to get done, who can I talk to? Who can I barter with? Who can I partner with? Who can I trade with? Who can I consult with? Who can I build relationship with? And that's why some people always have more than enough free time on their calendar and always have more than enough results to show for it. While other people never have free time on their calendar. And if they're telling the truth year after year, they don't really have results to show for it either. Just a list with more on there than they got time to get done. Yeah. Yeah. That's the curse right there. Right. That's like the hustler's curse is (laughs) like, if you're, if you're, if you have that type of a personality, it's so much easier to think like, well, I'll just do it all myself than it is to, to uh, try to hand it off to other people, especially when you consider the amount of work that goes into finding and training the right people and then trusting them to get the job done in the way that you would have gotten it done. Have you found like a range, I guess, of time that ultra productive people that you've worked with spend working on say a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know if that question makes sense, but you know, if you, if you, if you initially talk with somebody, they're putting in 60 hour work weeks after they work with you, I guess the the question, I guess I'm really asking is like, when you look and evaluate your calendar on a weekly basis, how much free time should you see? What, what's, what's a good amount to know that like you're working, putting in a good day's work and moving the, you know, your project forward versus, wow, I'm spending way too much time doing this. I would just say, is there time for your life? And most entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, there is no life. Yeah. There's no invest in your wife. There is no invest in your kids. There is no invest in your hobby. There is no invest in your community. There is no invest with your friends. You're either working or you're sleeping. So rather than looking at it in terms of 40 hours a week or 35 or 55, how about we look at it in terms of freedom, power, and self-expression? So that answer is really going to differ then if you're a 26-year-old single dude living with three roommates on the couch versus a 47-year-old with three kids and a spouse and college funds and retirement to think about. Yeah. So if you're young and single and you got three friends on the couch, then the benefit of you learning to think at a higher level is you're going to scale and grow a lot faster because you're out of your own way and you're not doing things that make sense. You're doing what actually works. And it doesn't make sense when you first try it. Otherwise, you would have thought of it. That, that's the trap. Sure, sure. When you're 47, you get your life back. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people 
even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So tactical, practical advice here on this. Where do you start with that? I'm sure there's got to be some sort of a hierarchy of tasks that are on your plate that you need to give away to other people versus keep for yourself. And I'm sure it has to do with strengths, weaknesses, what you're good at, what you're not good at. But can you kind of walk us through, like if I'm looking, like if somebody's listening right now and they're like, that is me and I don't want it to be me anymore. I'm putting in 80 hours a week. How do I look at my schedule and start prioritizing things to build processes and systems for versus things that I can still do or things that, not that I can still do, but things that I should still do. How how do you start making the differences there? Couple things. And I do want to acknowledge that when you're in it, you have a lot of reasons supporting why you're in it. Well, I would hire help. I just don't have extra money to hire them. So I have to do the work. Well, I would hire help, but I don't have the time to train them because I've got to finish this. Well, I would do that, but I have to, you have a bajillion reasons why you've got to do all this stuff because you can't afford or you don't have time or whatever it is. So how do you break that cycle? There's two things I would say. One is get clear on the true value of your time. I've got some videos out there floating around, just Google $500 an hour, Jared Hanning or something like that. I'm sure you'll find a video where I'm teaching this particular formula. But when you're clear on the value of your time and the task that produces that value, then you get out of that, oh man, no, because it's going to cost me $50 an hour to hire somebody to do that, to do the accounting or the website or to run my Facebook ads. Well, I, I can't afford that. It's just cheaper for me to do it myself. No, because you're really clear that when you do this task, it's worth $1,000 an hour in value back to your company. The reason I call it the $500 an hour equation is because I've never seen anybody come in under 500 an hour, which by the way is a million a year. Um, so that, that would be one, learn that formula because it'll save your butt Um, The second one, without learning the formula, I'm going to give you four things to look for in your to-do list, and this will break the cycle right away. Um, This is another formula, PULP, P-U-L-P. I'm sure there's a video of me teaching it somewhere out there. Just Google P-U-L-P and my name, Jared Hanning. I'm sure it'll pop up. So you go to your list. Uh, I got to schedule this. Email that. Return that. Get the contract. Avoid this. Fire this person. Hire this person. Uh, Consult with that. Learn how to do it. You got all the stuff. Get it all on there. Write a P next to everything that you could procrastinate. That doesn't mean you should. doesn't mean you shouldn't. 
I don't have to go to the gym today. It's not going to kill me. I can go tomorrow. I don't have to make cold calls today. It's not going to kill me. I can do that tomorrow. I do have to get that contract in the mail or I'm going to lose the money today. I do have to renegotiate that lease or I'm going to be out of a place today. If you can procrastinate it, put a P next to it. That doesn't mean you should or shouldn't, but it's going to come clear real quick. Next, if there's anything on there that is uncomfortable, God, you know, I've been avoiding this conversation with my spouse because I'm afraid how's that going to react? Well, that gets to you. That's uncomfortable. Ah, you know, I've been avoiding um, firing this client because I'm going to miss the money and I don't want to make him mad and I don't want him to go on Facebook and post about what a jerk I am. Okay, that gets to you. I've been avoiding these cold calls because ah, it's just uncomfortable to call people and see if they want to do business together. That gets to you. If there's anything on there that makes a long-term difference, that gets an L. Here's the difference. When you return emails today, it does not make a difference because tomorrow you got to return emails again. When you schedule something or reschedule something, doesn't make a difference. Tomorrow you got to do it again. When you send out a contract today, guess what? If you want to get paid tomorrow, you got to send out another contract. Doesn't make a long-term difference. But instead, if you go through your past 100 email replies to people and break them into three basic topics and break those into three normal responses, and then you get a fiber and you find yourself a virtual assistant and you train them on how to do that. Now you will never again have to respond to those types of emails. It makes a long-term difference. That gets an L. Last one, purpose. There's something about that task that causes you to feel like you did your job that day. I can have a day where I return 100 emails and have 27 phone calls, go to three meetings, skip lunch, stay late. And at the end of the day, it feels like I didn't get a darn thing done. On the other hand, my kid can get sick and I got to go pick him up at school and then we got to go to the doctor. Then my car breaks down. Then I got to get a rental. Then I got to go to the pharmacy. Now I'm in line at the grocery store. Next thing I know, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. I haven't done Jack Diddley squat. I pull out my phone and I text that prospect I've been meaning to follow up with. And there's something about that action in line at the grocery store that causes me to feel like I did my job that day. I moved the ball forward. So if it has that deeper purpose, then that gets a peak. Now, if you'll do that and you got 27 things on your to-do list, I bet you two or three of them will have all four letters. Mm. That is the very first thing you need to go to work on. Now, those fires are burning, but here's the deal. If you don't address tomorrow today, then tomorrow you're going to be in the same pickle. Mm. If you address today today, then tomorrow... <laughs> You got to be in the same pickle. So all I'm saying is start your day with a thing that has all four letters next to it. End your day with that minutia because mm. it still needs to be done, right? We still have to email and contract and submit and schedule and all that. We, sure. okay. What most people do is they have it opposite. They start their day with the administrative tasks that you could outsource for 10 or $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why they don't have money to hire an administrative assistant. Well, because you're spending all day making 10 or $15 an hour. That's why. And then they say, well, you know what? That's an important task. And I'll tell you what, this afternoon, I'm going to have some more time. Then I'll focus on it. And this afternoon never comes. Flip it. Start your day with the big thing. End your day with the little things. I guarantee in five days, you will be out of that rut. Perfect, perfect tactical solution here, man. Thanks so much for, for going into that. Uh, the pulp solution. I'm curious on what your advice would be for people who are in that boat of, I, I know that I need to, I, I've been putting it off. I need to hire at least an admin assistant. I, I need to bring somebody else in. Uh, another guy that I uh, have had on the show, Dan Martell, he says, if you're, if you don't have an assistant, then you are your assistant. Correct. And uh, so it's, what if you're in that boat and you're looking at your numbers and you're like, I genuinely just don't think I can afford to hire somebody. Is there any 
different mindset that you can maybe instill in them? Or is there a point where they're right and you shouldn't hire somebody until you get to a certain threshold? Is there like a rule of thumb there? I would say take the mind scan so you can see how your brain solves problems and understand how other people who are making $10 million a year think differently. Go find my $500 an hour equation so you can get clear on the value of your time. That video probably takes five minutes to watch and it might take you 30 seconds to do the equation. Mm -hmm. Now you are in a position where you realize my time's worth $500 an hour when I do this, it's worth a thousand when I do that. I can't afford not to have an assistant. Now I get that this month, you don't have enough money to make it to the end of today. I get that. You don't have to hire an assistant full-time though. Mm -hmm. Just start with two hours a week. You've got 20 bucks that you can scrape together and change in your closet. Go hire somebody for $20 a week and spend those two hours on your $500 an hour task. If you will do that for four weeks, you'll be out $80 and you'll have made 5,000. Yes. Start somewhere. Get started. Get the ball rolling. Yeah, yep. Go somewhere like uh, go somewhere like FreeUp or, uh, or Upwork or Fiverr. Find somebody that you can give like, you know, it, it's incredible to me too, um, Jared, I'm sure you find the same thing. How many people try to do things that they're not even good at because they don't want to hire, you know, it's like, you're not a graphic designer, but you're going to spend three hours in Photoshop or Canva trying to design something. It's going to look like crap anyway <laughs> of like when, when you could have like literally just paid some person $12 on Fiverr to knock it out for you. And you could have done your 5,000 or your, your thousand dollar an hour task or $500 an hour task. Um, do you think it just stems from a lack of understanding what those high impact tasks are for people? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, They're not clear on the value of what drives their business. So the $500 video that you're talking about, that will help them solve that. They'll understand which task in their business produces the most value. Got it. Right now, they're looking at their to-do list and all of it looks like, oh my gosh, look at all the stuff that has to get done. Mm. After you learn that equation, you'll go, oh, wait a minute. This is the most important thing I need to start my day with. Yeah, got it. Is there a system or a management system that you recommend using or do you have your own or like, you know, you know, versus using something like Traction or the Lean Startup or um, a project management uh, solution? I forget the one that I'm thinking of, but it's it's pretty, pretty widely used or well, a getting things done uh, framework. Like, do you use any sort of uh, systems or framework in order to be able to keep managing your time effectively on a daily basis? So one of them is that pulp concept where yeah. you get clear on what makes the biggest long-term difference. You don't need a fancy planner that you paid Franklin Covey 50 bucks for. Like, yeah. You can do that on the back of a napkin. You can yeah. do that right on your to-do list for crying out loud. And that is about as sophisticated as I need it. Got I it. find that fancy fails and simple scales. So my business is run with short little acronyms like yeah. that. I love that, man. I love that. Uh, so let's talk. We're, we're running out of time because I got so caught up in the in the uh, the management, the time management uh, conversation, which I do think is going to be extremely valuable for people. But before we wrap up here, I do want to talk to you, talk to you a little bit about relationships and, and networking, because that's what this show is really all about. Yes. And so this is the question I ask everybody to get that conversation moving in the right direction. And this is what I want to spend the last couple of minutes that we have together uh, talking about. So who or what, Jared, who you know or what you know, which of those two do you find to be the more valuable asset in life and why? Uh, I would say who knows you. I know that wasn't an option. I would like to submit that option to the board for consideration. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows you? And if that board, if that uh, option is is denied, and we are choosing between what you know and who you know, I would go with who you know. Then there's a missing equation where uh, people tend to say, "But I, I know lots of successful people. I know lots of people. I have a great network. I've got five thousand friends on my Facebook or whatever." I've got clients that praise me for my expertise and how I saved their life and made them all this money. Ah, yes. But if your clients aren't referring you, then we need to look at why. And the thing is, people don't remember what you did for them. It doesn't matter how much money you saved them, how much money you made them, you saved their life on the operating. It doesn't matter because people don't remember what you did for them. They remember how you made them feel. Mm. So when it comes to the value of who knows you or my second option, who you know, it's not, do you know them? It's how do they feel when they're around you? Because yeah. that's what opens up the doors. People who are ne will never remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. Um, and it's, that's such a great rule or principle to carry with you in all forms of relationship building or networking. Jared, is there a particular story that, that you can tell us that you can kind of look back and this is kind of what will wrap things, wrap, wrap things up. Is there a particular story that you can kind of look back in your life and think about that um, accentuates how important it is to build relationships, even if you don't see a direct path to how that's going to come back on you in a positive way? I remember when I was in, um, in just getting started in the symphony and uh, the, the leader of that symphony I didn't hang out with, uh, we didn't have the same hobbies or anything. I thought he was a great musician. Uh, I thought he was really, really skilled, but uh, a lot of people in the symphony kind of spoke poorly of him behind the scenes. And I never, I didn't like fight him. Every now and then I might say, ah, oh, I haven't noticed that. I think he's a great musician. I know that's a different topic than what you were talking about, but sure. on this topic, I think he's doing a great job. Remember one day something happened where what I did uh, was misinterpreted and it absolutely exploded behind the scenes. I was completely unaware of it. I, I didn't know this. And the leader of the symphony was first on the scene and he stood up for me Ooh. and I have no idea why. He had no reason to. He didn't know anything about the situation. He didn't know anything about me. But I remember him sticking his neck out for me. And um, it just kind of struck me as you never know yeah. where that relationship's going to go. That's the big takeaway right there. And that's why the show exists is because of that. You never know where relationships are going to go, where they're going to take you. And it's one of those things in life where you can't always measure the direct ROI, you know, like beforehand. It's, it's different than some of these other more tangible things right? like sales or marketing or time management or whatever, because those things are, you can fix something and see a direct return within a specified, usually short period of time. Whereas relationships are just one of those things that you just gotta, you just gotta kind of do it and trust that the law of reciprocity will always reign true. So if you build relationships and constantly add value and treat people correctly, um, then that's just going to compound over a long period of time and the benefits and the results are, are always going to make the initial effort that it took to create them, you know, way, way, way worth it. So, yeah. Webinars don't always work. Facebook ads don't always work. Lead magnets don't always work. Chatbots don't always work, but relationships always work. Love it. That's a perfect way to wrap up this conversation, Jared. Let's move into the last segment. Something I like to call the random round, just quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You ready? 
what profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I would love to be an adventure um, what is it, guide, you know, corporate retreat wants to learn how to scuba dive. And, and I'm the guy that teaches them how to scuba dive for a weekend, an adventure guide for rock climbing or skydiving or scuba diving, whatever. I think that'd be fun. If you could sit on a park bench with somebody for an hour and chat, who would that person be? I would want to sit on a park bench with, I'm going to go with Elon Musk. Yeah. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Old-fashioned paper. Old-fashioned paper. What's a book that you'd recommend to the audience? Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Just one? Oh, you're killing <laughs> me. Um, if I had to go with just... Oh, my God. In, so hard. In, in addition to the thinking patterns of success, obviously. <laughs> if I had to go with just one, I would pick The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm. Is there a particular reason? Is that like something that you just think applies to everybody? Yes, I do feel it applies to everybody. Also, it's incredibly short, really small, really simple. And the core lesson is really short, really small, really simple. So like you read the book and you've got it for life. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Morning routine, I um, am the kind of person that wakes up when I'm rested. Um, nice. Sorry, overachievers, I'm not a 5 a.m.er. And before I start my day, my day normally starts at 10. Um, my work day normally starts at 10. I will have some coffee. I will go work out at the gym. Occasionally, I'll spend some time reading. And then I start at 10. But I value my sleep more than my uh, bragging rights in the entrepreneurial community. <laughs> Do you find it helpful to separate, like you say, your work day starts at 10 a.m.? Is that Anything and everything, or is that like project work focused first and then calls later? Do you do you kind of do uh, some, you know, sort of a, a schedule management? Um, so yeah, my day is either composed of one-on-one -on -one high-end client calls or podcast, whether it's an interview or um, my own show, Mindset Performance. It's either one of those things. Um, yeah. I'm either moving the ball forward or taking care of the ball. <laughs> What is your go-to pump-up song? My, oh my gosh, my go-to pump-up song. You know, today I had Imagine Dragons in my head ah. um, and it was, it was working pretty well. Yeah, their stuff is good. They, they just make really solid music. What is something that you are not very good at, Jared? Oh, golly. Okay, hanging wallpaper. <laughs> Perfect answer. Love that. I was like right off the top of your head too. I've got um, like a nightmare story about thinking <laughs> I was capable of doing this and failing miserably. So yes, hanging wallpaper, not, not even close. I'm not even going to pretend. Perfect. What's one place now online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Mindsetperformance.co. Mindsetperformance.co. Head over there to learn more about Jared, what he has, uh, what he has going on over there, mindsetperformance.co. Check out his podcast, Mindset Performance. If you like the conversation that him and I had today, um, I know that I definitely did. And I have a lot of takeaways that I'll be implementing in my own businesses. And so if you um, enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to go check out some of Jared's stuff. That's Jared, J-A-R-R-O-D, Jared, Hanning, H-A-N-I-N-G. If you go to look up some of his YouTube videos, um, and that's mindsetperformance.co. 
So Jared, thanks so much for taking the time, Amanda. I had a fantastic uh, time chatting with you today. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.